This is The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called Oral Health Mythbusters, which products work and which are a waste of money. Welcome to the Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode here as we're going to be doing our Mythbusters episode. I'm so excited for this, our oral health Mythbusters, which products work and which are a waste of money. And Dr. Singletary, this is, I think, such an important episode because I'll speak for myself when it comes to managing my health and picking items, health items at the store, especially when it comes to toothpaste and mouthwashes. I'm bombarded with advertisements all the time, but I don't know the research. You do. So where should we start? Which which products should we go first in terms of myth busting? To understand about all of this is <clears throat> why do you use toothpaste? And so then, then you go, okay, uh, the most important part of your oral hygiene is the physical manipulation of the plaque. So really, it's the bristle of the brush, the thread of the floss. And if you use a mouth rinse, one that doesn't have alcohol in it. So you want a zero alcohol mouth rinse. But when you go to toothpaste, any ADA-approved toothpaste that has fluoride is appropriate. But everybody has their preferences. And so you have to look at the label. Sodium lauryl sulfate, SLS, irritates a lot of people's gingival tissue. So avoiding SLS is probably wise. Some people have autoimmune issues like complanus. Their gingival tissue is very sensitive. So going to a non-allergenic toothpaste like biotin is appropriate. It's really personal preference and being wise, but also understanding there are certain things that can irritate you. But any ADA-approved toothpaste, American Dental Association-approved toothpaste, would be appropriate. You want fluoride. Some people don't like fluoride in their toothpaste. Again, that's personal preference. But fluoride is a natural mineral. It's one part per million in ocean water, so it's everywhere. And it's important in young adults, um, when the baby teeth are being formed, that they have fluoride in their water. It hardens the teeth, helps prevent recurrent decay. If you're on well water, there are fluoride tablets that can be given to the baby and young child while the primary teeth are being developed. For adults, it's all topical. And so you want fluoride because it helps prevent recurrent decay. And there are different strengths. There's sodium fluoride. There's stannous fluoride. That's basically the two basic ones. There are also toothpaste that has sodium nitrate that supposedly hardens teeth. So really, it's just a matter of, it can be personal preference, but ask your dentist or periodontist, and they can guide you. That's great advice. So if I'm walking down the aisle and, you know, I see there's 20 different versions of each brand of toothpaste, does it matter if it says cavity protection or whiting? You know, they, they all have different sort of branding and a different sort of message to convey to the consumer. Does, does that stuff matter? It does in a sense, but it's not going to be as effective. You know, if you're looking for a whitening agent, ask your dentist because the over-counter whitening agents uh, in toothpaste are really not that effective. You really want a controlled environment for that. And so, and people, that, that's a, a myth that whitening is not good for your teeth. Well, that's not necessarily true. If done the right way, it's fine. 
You just had to control it. And having your dentist orchestrate, that's the best thing to do. Gotcha. And earlier you mentioned mouthwash and a zero alcohol mouthwash. Now, again, I see a lot of times in commercials, they they sort of threaten that, you know, this is the mouthwash that will get rid of the bacteria in your mouth or the harmful bacteria or whatever. But and I would think, well, you know, alcohol would be good against bacteria. But is, is that not the case? What do we need to know about zero alcohol mouthwash? Well, you want xylitol is a natural sugar that kills bacteria. And that's in some rinses like Listerine. The alcohol does two couple of things. One, it produces free radicals and that can be carcinogenic. Number two, it dries the mouth out. And so you want something that doesn't do that. You know, so rinsing actually Again, it's the physical manipulation. It's the bristle brush, the thread of the floss. Rinsing is no substitute for actually physically manipulating the bacteria or the plaque around your teeth. So, again, it gets to be personal preference. You know, I recommend a couple of rinses, but sometimes it depends on, you know, if I've done a surgery. or. But day in, day out, use of rinsing. Go zero alcohol. You can use salt water. Salt kills bacteria. Two teaspoonfuls of salt. Eight ounce glass of water, put in a microwave for 30 seconds, it'll dissolve. You want a super saturated solution, and that kills the osmotic pressure, causes the bacteria to explode. But you still, you're not getting, it's like you, you know, people like water picks. Is water pick better than flossing? No. You still got to get in there with the floss thread to physically manipulate the plaque off the side of teeth. It's like power washing a house. You still got a thin film of stuff there. You got to go after it with something else. You know? Oh, that makes sense. So it, it ultimately comes down to, as you said, the bristle of the brush and the floss and making sure that we're doing those activities and then there's these elements are just kind of on top of that. Right. Correct. What else? What other products do we need to know about in terms of myth busting and, and things that we may not know? Well, you know, some people think that, you know, a hard bristle brush you know, is the best because it gets all the more stiff and it will help get the plaque off. Not necessarily. Actually, you want an ultra-soft brush. It's rare you can find them in the pharmacy, yet you got to have that adjective, ultra-soft, extra-sensitive, plaque-soft, and it's easily removed. And that softness of brush will not damage the tissue. I mean, some people say brushing will wear the gum away. Well, if you use a hard bristle brush in an aggressive manner, yes, but... With an ultra-soft brush, you should be fine. I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen anybody lose a tooth by brushing too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I want to get back to that brush because you've mentioned that before, the soft bristle brush. Is is there a circumstance where anyone needs a a hard brush? I'm kind of wondering why those exist. (laughs) Good good question, yeah. First of all, you want the adjective extra or ultra-soft. A soft bristle brush that you get at the grocery store probably could scrape rust off nails, but a harder or more stiffer brush if you have uh, like braces that you 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 want to get around the brackets a little bit better. There is a a brush called an in-tough brush that's real stiff that's specifically designed to get in back of the last tooth in each arch, back where the wisdom teeth are, where it's really difficult to floss. So yeah, that's a place for it. Gotcha. Okay, what's next? You talk about myths, so to speak, and you know people uh, will come in, and you, know, you also have to think about the systemic effect of oral health. 
And uh, uh, there's an old wives' tale, a myth there that you lose a tooth for every every baby you have. I don't know if you've heard that one, but it is true. The hormonal level changes during pregnancy, and so the estrogen and progesterone level goes up. The bacteria that love that are the ones that your immune system don't like, and so this pregnancy gingivitis is a a real um, significant factor for pregnant women particularly if they're not into you know, consistent oral hygiene. They'll, you know, get, they'll get caught up in it real easy, and they'll start noticing bleeding in the gingival tissue. And that leads into another thing. People say, well, my gums don't hurt, my teeth don't hurt, I don't need to go to a dentist. Well, it's like high blood pressure and glaucoma. If it hurts, it's curtains. You know, so. My wife was one of those during pregnancy. She didn't want to be anywhere near a dentist's office. You know, she was afraid of x-rays or anything like that that may be mm-hmm. harmful. Is that anything that people need to be concerned about? Today, with the x-ray technology, it's very minimal. They use lead shields. But, but generally, they suggest that no x-rays during pregnancy. But doing dental work is fine, particularly the middle trimester. And if an individual is if like the first baby, the middle trimester is the safest time to do dental work. If it's the second or third and they've had no issues during their pregnancy, then probably any time during the pregnancy. But the safest time, particularly if you've got to do fillings or take a tooth out or do gum therapy, is the middle trimester. That's good advice, too, because, you know, if you're putting off a visit or some work that you need done, you know, waiting until after pregnancy, probably not the best idea yeah. because uh, uh, it's things get a little bit more complicated after that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's next on the list? Well, you know, some people think about the diet sodas are better, sugar substitutes. Well, that's not necessarily true. First of all, you should drink water. If you're drinking diet sodas for diet reasons, better off drinking water. But this, the preservatives, the, there are uh, ingredients in sodas that are acidic. And um, they used to talk about you take a, a tooth and put it in a bottle of Coke and it'll dissolve it. Yeah. Not in a day, but it will eat away at the enamel and the dentin. So you, you want to avoid sodas. And um, you know, the thing about dentistry, there's a, there is a genetic tendency. You know, some people are more susceptible to decay than others. Depends if they're brought up on well water or city water. But, and so the dentist can, can tell that. And so the aspect of avoiding certain things, you know, like chewing gum, it's not good to chew gum. Well, you want sugarless gum, but it's probably not necessarily bad, but it, you know, because it does create a salivary flow that helps wash off saliva, particularly if you, you know, can't get to a toothbrush. Those are two big crutches that I'm sure a lot of people use when it comes to satisfying that sweet tooth gum and the different carbonated drinks. Mm-hmm. Well, what's next on the list? Well, you know, some people think bad breath is coming from not brushing teeth. Not necessarily. You can have sinus issue or stomach issues. Periodontal disease does, coated tongue, but there can be other issues for bad breath. And it's just a matter of you know, having your dentist or periodontist diagnose it, and then if there's not an issue orally, then you know, a doctor comes on board, an ENT or even a medical doctor to check the intestinal system. I would think that that would be kind of hard for a person to self-diagnose. What are some signs that your bad breath needs to be evaluated by someone? Well, if somebody tells you something's going on, and then you try. You know, I, I tell patients that bleeding, swollen gums, bad breath, if you're going after it effectively, brush four times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, whether you eat or not, 
And we'll talk about that in a second because there is a big thing out there about brushing after you eat. But you know, bre- breakfast, lunch, dinner time, whether you eat or not, brush. Before you go to bed, take your time, brush and floss. Think the tooth is a mirrored box. Polish all five surfaces. Brush gets the cheek side, top, tongue side. The only way you get in between the teeth is floss. And there are other ways to get in between the teeth if you have manual dexterity issues. But if you're being consistently removing, doing your best for two or three days and you still got an issue, then maybe there's something else going on. Bleeding particularly, then go see your dentist or paradise. But if the bleeding gets better and somebody says, hey, you got something else going on, it could be that you have people who are diabetic have ketone breath. So there can be a, a medical issue that's going on, a gastrointestinal issue. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not just oral. Okay, and you mentioned brushing after we eat. What do we need to know about that? People say that you shouldn't brush right after you eat because the, there's a more acidic environment. Well, every time you eat, the bacteria in your mouth are exposed to food substrate, and they grow exponentially for 30 minutes after you eat. You, you want to cut that exponential growth of bacteria out. Uh, so if, if there is a more acidic environment there, rinse before you eat and brush, and then brush. You know, dilute that acid environment and then brush. Again, I haven't seen enamel dissolve away when people brush after they eat. So I'm, I'm not sure where these studies are coming from, but you, know, you should brush after you eat. But you know, if you're concerned about you know, the acidic environment after that, which not many people are, I don't think. They don't go around thinking, oh, I'm going to have acid in mouth after I eat. <laughs> <laughs> Just rinse and brush. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, what else? Well, let's see. We, you can always think about um, use a mouthwash instead of brushing. You know, some people say, well, I rinse. Yeah, and no, you can't. And you have to you have to physically manipulate the bacteria. So, so I don't have enough time in the day to brush. And well, that, that's true. We're all busy. You know, I tell patients, stick it in your backpack in the glove compartment of your car. Dry brush is fine. You can get some water and rinse after that. You know, the fact that you know, uh, rinsing is not the final issue. People think, well, I'll rinse. You know, and I, you know, no, you got to do more than that. You got to put the work in and make sure you're getting those bristles to the teeth. Is there anything else that we have on our MythBusters list? Well, some people think, think flossing can create spaces between your teeth. And again, if you have healthy gum tissue, you, know, you want to keep it that way, and flossing is not going to cause spacing in between your teeth. What causes spaces in between the teeth is inflammation. And what causes inflammation is bacteria. And so, yes, if you have plaque growth and you have bleeding gums, as that inflammation resolves, uh, it's going to shrink. The gum's going to firm up as the inflammation goes away, the tissue tightens up. And so, Doing that inflammatory process, your body is trying to get rid of the bacteria, but also destroying the gum tissue around your teeth. So as it heals, some of that is not going to come back. So, yeah, you can get more spacing, but it's not because of flossing. Yeah, that that would not be the case. Well, Dr. Singletary, we are running out of time here. Uh, This is such a fun program. I think we need to do this again soon so that we can go over some more items that are effective and some items that might be a waste of our money. But uh, we need to get to our action step for today. What is our what is our homework after this episode? Well, I think some people think that if it bleeds, back off. You know, leave it alone. Don't. Go after it. You know, uh, be consistent. And if it sticks around, if it still bleeds for a couple of days after you're brushing and flossing, See your dentist or paradise. Get, get looked at. 
Uh, that's I think that's the most important thing. And even though you're not having any issues with your teeth, you, you don't have any pain, there's no bleeding, no bad breath, you see your dentist twice a year. You know, that's very important because you know, there can be things that are going on that you can't see or feel that can be taken care of and prevent any uh, significant high-cost investment. That's wonderful. And we, we can all take that action step and make sure that we're putting in the work to make sure that we're keeping our mouths healthy and that will in turn keep our bodies healthy overall as well. well. If you learned something new in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and be sure to join us next time for another episode of The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary. This is The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called Oral Health Mythbusters, which products work and which are a waste of money.